morning, church. You can uh, take a seat where you are. We're going to do some announcements. Good morning to our uh, online team. We love you tuning in online. Even um, Pastor Brad and the fam are tuning in online this morning. I think the boys had some snotty noses, so better uh, safely keep their germs away than be here. So if you're online, you're in good company this morning. But never fear, we actually, uh, Pastor Brad isn't here to preach, but that's okay because uh, the absolute SBC legend, Pastor Rob Heyman, is going to be sharing with us this morning. And if you don't know, look at that love. Lots of love in the room still for uh, for the legend. If you don't know... Um, Rob pastored uh, our church here for a mighty long time and he's a bit of a legend around this place so we're very excited to be hearing from him this morning. I know it's going to be a great word. I've got some announcements, are you ready? The first thing I need to remind you to do is check in. Have you checked in for church? Someone checked you in. Are you all in the habit of checking in everywhere you go now? Yeah. Uh, Even if you're online, it really helps us if you check in there as well. That way we can sort of keep track of where people were checking in. Uh, If you were online last week and you're here in person, you're just going to make sure that you select uh, the right place, that you uh, check in to the right location. Don't accidentally check in online if you're actually here. Some other fun things coming up. We have a team night coming up. almost excited. Team night is, uh, it's one of those funny ones, isn't it? It comes up on the newsletter and you think, oh yeah, team night. I'm sure that's good for somebody. But I really want to extend an invitation to everyone. At the start of the year is a great time to get involved and to join a team. Uh, And this particular team night that we're going to be doing uh, is going to be a really exciting one because uh, there will be a time to come together and speak about vision and uh, our values and why we serve um, and what it is to be a part of our community. But also there'll be an opportunity for you to uh, meet with some team leaders, do a little bit of upskilling and training. So if you've ever been interested in um, lights or projection or coffee making or welcoming or ushering, it's really a great time to uh, come along and get involved and sort of hear what those ministries are about and how to be involved in those. And I know the the sound guys and the tech team are particularly excited to have some uh, new faces onboarding onto those teams. Um, I know there's some young people around the place as well who are excited about that. So that is going to be, are you ready? Have I made you excited about it? All right, you've got to put it in your diary for the 20th of January after dinner at 7 p.m. The 20th of Jan, 7 p.m. If you're, uh, if you serve on a team, if you'd like to be part of the team, if you're part of the SBC team, we would love to see you there. Uh, and it's going to be a great night for teaching, but also for training. So that's really exciting. Something else really exciting that is coming up in the not so distant future on the 31st of January. You're going to need to lock this one into your mind. We will be inducting Pastor Steve Poss. Very exciting. So that's going to be a really exciting service uh, where we just celebrate uh, God's faithfulness, um, but also really just uh, encourage Steve as he steps into this new role. And Bill Brown will be here, and he's a legend around the BEV. If you don't know uh, who Bill Brown is, you want to be here for that Sunday. He's going to be sharing with us and uh, helping with the induction of Steve. So that's going to be an awesome Sunday. 31st of January. Um, and of course, online, we'll be streaming that out to you as well. 
Another little quick thing is that uh, when you head into the foyer after church today, there's, uh, we did, we've done a bit of a clean out of our bookcases and our bookshelves, actually in preparation for Steve needing an office. And so there's some great resources that we found that have just been gathering dust on our shelves and we would much rather um, you have access to them. So if there's something uh, on those tables or there's a book that you think, oh, I'd like that, feel free uh, to take that home with you. It can be yours, a little gift from um, our bookshelves to you. Sound good? Great. Um, That's about all the announcements that I have. So I'm going to invite you, uh, if you're here in the room with us, to stand. We're going to pray together and uh, just the band are going to lead us uh, in a little reprise as we uh, worship and then Pastor Rob is going to preach. So I invite you to stand. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are and how you love us. We thank you that uh, you're a God who cares deeply for us in every season. And as we serve you, uh, we will see others come to know you and your great love. And so we ask that you would uh, stir up fresh vision and fresh passion in us in this season, in 2021. God, we desire to be a church after your own heart. We desire to be a church that loves our community authentically and deeply. And God, as we do that, we would we pray that you do what only you can do in transforming hearts and lives see people come to know a life-changing relationship with you. So God, we thank you for who you are and how your love has pursued us and how it continues to and how it pursues those in our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for that reckless love that you offer us. The fact that you will do anything to chase us down. Father, may we have the ears this morning to hear your love, your grace and your compassion speaking into our lives. Father, I thank you that as we open up your word that you will speak to us and you will guide us. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, church, take a seat. This is a bit weird. Charles Spurgeon said, um, if the last six steps into the pulpit you're not nervous, then you're lying on the wrong thing. And uh, I probably never felt more of that today than ever before, to be honest. It's been a couple of years since I've preached in this pulpit and it's been a while since I've preached in front of a live audience rather than just a camera. Um, So we'll see what happens, eh? But it is great to be back. Um, As I travel around the Baptist Union these days and visit Baptist churches all over the place, let me say there is no place like home. There is no place like coming back here and worshipping with a family and and, um, worshipping with people you know and, and sharing in that way. So I really appreciate this place as my spiritual home and uh, and I love this church and uh, let me say as I travel around the Baptist Union um, don't tell anyone else but this is the best Baptist church in in Victoria um, I've been uh, I've been watching the other preachers 
um, around and I, I thought I should learn something and put the pulpit like this and, and, and see if I can learn. I'll try it and see how we go because uh, that's, that's what all the good preachers do. We're in the middle of a two-week series, a three-week series and uh, Lauren kicked off last week with a, a great message on, on a lampstand is there for a purpose, to shine a light. And, and, and we are created for that purpose. We're created for a purpose, to shine a light. And uh, a great message as, as usual from Lauren, and that was, that was fantastic. And next week, Tom Poss is going to wrap it up with another parable, um, which I'm sure in Tom Poss's inimitable style will be challenging and enlightening, as it always is. I was going to say, I wrote in my notes, isn't it awesome to be, for me to be preaching amongst two young preachers? And then I thought, you know what? Uh, no offence to you guys, but you're not young anymore. <laughs> you actually, and I don't mean that negatively, I mean you are leaders and preachers in your own right and, and young sounds demeaning as I wrote it and I didn't mean it. You guys are just awesome and I am privileged to be the meat or the, the middle of this sandwich, sort of jam between the two um, fantastic preachers. This church is constantly raising up great leaders and there's two evidences of, of great leaders in, in this church and that's, that's fantastic. So I want to share with you, I got, you know, when Brad asked me to preach, um, uh, apart from being very humbled, uh, I thought, what, am I, what, what parable will I preach on? And, and I got out my, I got another Bible that lists all the parables in, on one page, and I, I got them out and I just read through them, I go, yeah, I've done that, done that, yeah, 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 yeah. And I got to this one, I've gone, hmm. I reckon I'll do this one. And I read it and I just kept reading and there was... So I'm going to give you two for one. I reckon it's a two for one deal today. So I'm going to do two parables and I know I've only got 21 minutes left. Things have changed. <laughs> I never had a clock countdown before. I could preach for as long as I liked and no one would tell me off. Now I'm nervous. I'll get told off by the senior pastor if I preach too long. But anyway, Luke 18, if you want to turn with me to Luke 18, we're going to read, uh, read two parables. And I was telling Lauren earlier, I thought, I'll preach on this one because I haven't preached on it before. And I, I typed it all up and I saved it into my Google Drive and I was going to put it on my iPad this morning. So I searched Google Drive, Luke 18, and the parable came up and I thought, that's it. And it wasn't it. It was an old sermon I'd preached on this six, eight years ago. And I thought, I have preached on this before. But it's totally different now. I've, my thinking's changed, which is good, I think. Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Some of your, some of your things might have not faint or other, other, other um, descriptions of not giving up, which is interesting. We'll get to that. Verse 2, he said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town 
who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. I heard one commentator say that could be written, give me a black eye. Actually, you know, lose my reputation over this woman. That's how persistent she was. Verse 6, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to a temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, which lights the path before us. Father, may we not only have ears to hear you this morning, but give us eyes to see the journey that you want us to take as we hear your word. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We know that a parable is a, is a story with a spiritual meaning. And sometimes we can get caught up in the, in the story and miss out what Jesus was actually trying to say in this parable. And hopefully today we can sort of unpack that a little bit. I don't know about you, but when I first read this parable and I hear about a judge and a court... I sort of, my mind races to, you know, the courthouse at Sale, this big brick formal building where there's rules and policies and structure and everyone that goes in there knows exactly what's going to happen and everyone's following along a certain law and pathway and, and you know, there's, there's, there's an agenda and nothing changes that and there's one case and there's another case and there's another case. That's not the court. That's not the type of judge that we're talking about here. This is a tent that sort of travels around like a bit of a circus. And in some sense, it is a bit of a circus. Because the judge sets the agenda. The judge decides which cases he will hear and who will come before him. And, and whether, they will, whether he will actually listen to that case or not. And then he will make a decision based on his thinking. So if you want to come before a judge, the, about the only way you can do it is bribe one of his assistants to say, oh, this is the next case. And so you've got to have some social standing, some money, 
and, and some prestige to actually get before a judge. So a widow has little hope. All she can do is run around the outside of the tent making a pestering nuisance of herself and the assistants keep on coming in and making a pestering nuisance of, of, of themselves in front of the judge saying, we need to get rid of this woman. Come at least hear her case. That, that's the scene in which we find ourselves sort of entering into. And we can look at this, this parable and try and work out what's he saying. But if you look at the two parts of the parable, it's a parable of contrasts where Jesus invites us to look at the differences and the contrasts of what is happening here and what really happens with his people. Jesus invites us to, uh, to look at that contrast. And the first, the first one, before even the parable starts, is that Jesus says, keep praying or you'll give up. Keep praying or you'll faint. Keep praying or you'll have no hope. They're the options before you. Keep praying as we're always told to do. The, the, you know, scripture talks about pray without ceasing. Never give up praying and asking God. And that's, that's the start of the, start of the uh, thing, start of what the, the parable is saying. Then he invites the disciples to contrast the widow with God's people. The widow with God's people. The widow was a stranger. Nobody knew who the widow was. Doesn't even have a name. He's only sort of just told she's a widow. She has no man. That was her description when you think about what a widow is. It's not even about her. It's about describing that her husband has died. Yet God's people, God knows their family, knows the hairs on their head. There's a huge contrast here. The widow has no access, no access into this judge's sphere of influence where God's people are always welcome. God's people are, are not only welcome, but God calls them, beckons them to come into the presence. They can come into the presence, as scripture says, boldly, confidently. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. The widow in court stands by herself. No support, no friends, nothing. When we enter in, into God's presence, we don't come alone. Jesus, our Saviour, walks beside us and introduces, him, introduces us to the Father. This is one of the family. This is one in whom I died for. The widow comes into the courtroom with no promise of a good outcome. 
and no promise of, of anything. Little hope and, and just sort of saying, I just need this case heard. Whereas when we come boldly into the presence of God, we stand on the promises of his word. We stand on, on what God says to us. And, and we can say, you promised and your word is good and amen. The widow came into a court of law. God's people come into the presence of a throne of grace and compassion and mercy. There's this huge contrast that happens. The widow comes and pleads out of her poverty. She has nothing. And we are told in scripture that we as God's people come with all the riches of heaven behind us, all the promises of God behind us. God's people and the widow could not be further apart when we look at these contrasts. And then we're invited to think about the difference between the judge and the father. And again, the contrast sort of starts springing to mind. And if, and if I asked you, what, what are the differences? We would, we would fill a whiteboard up. The God, God is not like a judge. We're all welcome into his presence. We don't come to God to find justice, thank goodness, but grace and mercy. I don't want to come before God and get what I deserve. I want to come before God and get his grace and his mercy. Because if I got justice, I'd be walking out with a tail between my legs not very happy. God answers not out of persistent nagging, but out of a out of a of a love and a desire to see the best for us. Out of a willingness to to respond to someone whom he loves. He responds out of love and compassion. This parable teaches us that, that we, if you look at the contrast, that we can come, as I said earlier, boldly and confidently into the presence of God. We can come claiming the promises, not begging, not, not sort of, shriveling and sort of coming in timidly. But we can come confidently into the presence of God and say, you promised for your people and I'm claiming that promise. Let me tell you, that's a stark contrast. When I came to faith and the theology that I was taught and the, and, and the 
sphere of influence I was in, it was a bit more like worm theology. I don't know if you've ever come across worm theology, whereas we are just worms, you know, and we're just a dot. We have nothing good within us. And we, we and God sort of looks at us and just says, you are a, a bit like a widow, a shriveling little worm, a nobody, a nothing. Never heard of thought of coming boldly and confidently into the presence of God. Ne- never heard of coming in claiming the promises of what God has promised us. That, that never was taught to me early on. This, this teaching is, is, was new to me. Yet, if you take this teaching and push it too far, the boldly and the confident becomes arrogant and rude. And we need to be careful of that. And as I read on, in the second parable. See, if you take one part of scripture and you hang everything on that, it's a scary place to be sometimes. You quote one bit of scripture and say, well, I can come confidently and boldly and I can promise, I can claim the promises of God and you can, you can pray and God will answer instantly and it's like a checkbook that you can write out and say, there it is, I'm claiming this. And when the answer doesn't come, you go, well, what, what, what worked? What, what do we, what, how? I don't understand. And we have a choice. We either change our theology or we change our practice. We change the way we read scripture or, or we change our thinking. But if you look at the second parable, it actually gives us a little bit of opposite thinking and a bit of balance to what this whole topic of prayer looks like. You know, here's this, the next parable is, is contrasting the Pharisee and the tax collector. Picture the scene. It's Sale Baptist prayer meeting. You know, we all gather. You know, and the ex-senior pastor stands up and says, aren't I good? I'm so glad I'm not like those other peasants down there who always mess up. I always tithe. I serve. I come to team nights all the time. I do everything right. Not like those other snivelling little people who don't always, who knows what they do, you know. That's what this Pharisee was saying. He's saying, I'm pretty good. In fact, there's no one better. I got it all together. I'm pretty perfect. Not like Mr. Tax Collector over there. He hasn't got a clue what he's doing. Hasn't got a clue what's going on and I'm all right. I thank God I am who I am. His prayer was all about him. 
tax collector just sort of bowed his head and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me, a sinner. The Pharisee thinks he deserves an answer, that he deserves to be in the presence of God, that he's earned that right. <coughs> Whereas a tax collector understands his situation, recognises who he is, the enormity of his sin, and he seeks mercy. As I was preparing this, my mind went instantly to Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who actually understand who they are. That's what that's saying. They recognise that they are poor in spirit within themselves and they need that mercy of God. Blessed are they that mourn. And if I had time, I'd explain. I think that's more about mourning our sin. Not mourning the death of somebody, but mourning our sin, that recognising that our sin actually impacts our relationship with God. Blessed are those who recognise that. Blessed are those who, who seek after righteousness. That hunger and thirst after righteousness. You see, the tax collector still came into the presence of God. Still came with some sort of boldness, but recognised who he was. What I find fascinating at the end of that parable, it didn't, doesn't say, and the tax collector went away with his prayers answered. What does it say? He went away justified. He went away, I better read, yeah, he went home justified before God. Because that's the important question, isn't it? What is your relationship with God like? Not whether your prayers are answered. Not whether your prayers are answered. That, that's not the measuring stick. I'm not going to get to heaven and God's going to say, well, how many of your prayers were answered? You know, of the 5,454,221,000 prayers that you prayed, and I wish I'd prayed that many, but anyway, that's another story. How many were answered? Because that tells you how good a Christian you were, how good a person you were. No, no. He's going to say, what? was our relationship like? What was our relationship like? That's the question, isn't it? It's not how many prayers get answered. We like to measure ourselves. We can, we can measure ourselves on that if we're not careful and go, I, I'm pretty good. My prayers get answered. You know, as a pastor, I get asked to pray for people who are sick and people who are, who are really struggling with, with, with illness or, or physical things in their life. And I say, will you pray for healing for me? If I measured my effectiveness 
if I measured my spirituality by the instant answer to those prayers, I would walk out depressed. But we are called to pray without ceasing, constantly. That is what I can control. That is what I can do. The rest is up to my God who I have faith in. Will God come and find faith? Was the question in the first parable. What sort of faith? That you're praying and keep on praying. Regardless of what you're seeing around you, will you pray and keep on praying? That is what we are called to do. That is what we control. That is what we have to, that is what we're accountable for. I'm not God. I can't answer prayer. I can't heal people. I can pray for healing. That's my calling. As Lauren said last week, we are created to shine a light. We're also created to pray and to build that relationship. That is what we're called to do. That is what you are called to do. We pray and never give up. We can come boldly into the presence of God, and we should. We should come boldly into the presence of God, recognising that we are accepted as sinners. That as we come mercifully and saying, God, accept me a sinner because of your son. We know he's not going to kick us out, slam the door, turn his back on us. We know that. So we can come boldly and confidently, but not arrogantly. Not arrogantly, but we come consistently, persistently. Not that that will change his mind, but that's what we are called to do because that is an act of faith. That's how we live out our faith in our prayer, that we constantly come and ask. Some people have been asking for the same thing for 5, 10, 15, 20 years or longer. And this parable says, keep on praying or you will faint and give up. I want to close with this. That song we sang earlier talked about the reckless love of God. I love that line. He's reckless with his love because he's got so much of it. But the line that really hit me, that I think someone or all of us or or a number of us need to just recognise today, and this is a little bit off topic of my message, but I want to finish with this. There's no lie you won't tear down coming after me. And it's easy for us to live under a lie. And we might have been praying about that all our life or for a long time. But God wants to say to somebody, either here or, or online, 
that the lie you've believed about yourself is not true and I'm going to tear it down. I'm going to tear it down because I'm coming after you afresh. That lie might be, I've been praying and praying and I'll keep praying but I don't believe what I'm praying. I can't see it happening. Well, pray for what you can see. If you're praying for a a loved person to come to faith and you just can't see that, well, pray for a step in the right direction. Pray for another believer to come into that person's life. Pray for, for something you can, you can see that's happening. Not mightn't be the end of what you want, but it can be the next step. Just to encourage your faith. There's lies we believe that, oh, I can't, oh, I can't see that happening. Jesus promises his, the gates of hell won't prevail against building his church, and we're his church. There's nothing that he won't do for us. There's no lie that he won't tear down coming after you. What's the lie you've believed that you need to sort of just let wipe away? What are you going to pray about unceasingly with faith and walk away justified? Maybe not with a prayer completely answered, but with your relationship built with God. Let me pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you that we have the privilege of prayer that allows us to come into your presence and build relationship with you. Father, for those who have been praying constantly for years, I pray for faith. For those who have believed a lie, I pray that that will be torn down and that they will see afresh your love and your grace and who they are in you. And Father, this week, may we go confident that we can come into your presence with anything, knowing that you love us and accept us. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen.